This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday. What is it? The 26th of May. It's hard to believe. The month is almost over already. And uh, I'm your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by co-host Jacob Paulson and special guest Ryan Kleckner. Hello, sir. Hello. And we'll do a more proper introduction of Ryan here momentarily. But uh, first, I want to mention to you all that this episode is sponsored by RocketFFL.com. And guys, you want to check out that by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash FFL to learn more. And you'll probably want to learn more after you listen to what we have to talk about today. Just to uh, you know, throw out our necessary and required disclaimer. So concealedcarry.com forward slash FFL will redirect you to Rocket FFL, but then we get paid a little bit of money. So if you don't want us to get paid, I suppose you just go to <laughs> rocketffl.com. That is okay. That is okay. But it's nice, you know, that we can continue to pay for the podcast and stuff. So, And we like money, generally speaking. <laughs> so, guys, um, we're, we're kind of moving right along here because we've got a lot to cover and a short time to do it in. And also want to be respectful of Ryan's time here today. As was mentioned, we have a special guest today, Ryan Kleckner, uh, former sniper in the, what was mm-hmm. it, the uh, first Ranger Battalion? That's true. First Ranger Battalion. Yep. Long yep. time ago. Multiple deployments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also the owner of RocketFFL.com and a bunch of other things, plus author of, of, of a book, the Long Range Shooting... Hold on. I had it in my memory, but it's gone now. Long Range Shooting Handbook. Oh, yeah. There you I go. I tried to keep it simple. I, I was trying to like complicate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was simple. So uh, Ryan's with us today. Also, don't you have a podcast of your own? I have a couple of podcasts that I don't keep up with as well as I should. I do a bunch of videos and content for you know, the NSSF. If you've seen videos there or other ventures and projects, I do a lot. If it's firearms related, I want to do it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was actually checking out some of your uh, videos from the NSSF uh, just this morning. In fact, uh, really good stuff. I mean, guys, honestly, if you're looking for... Just a good, simple, straightforward um, guide, if you will, to long-range shooting. Go to the NSSF's YouTube channel and just search Ryan Kleckner. And like, there's a whole playlist, too, like 30-some-odd <laughs> yeah. videos. Yeah. Uh, so really, really good stuff. I was really impressed. I, I, I've seen sure. some of your videos here and there through the years, but mm-hmm. I was kind of consuming a few of those this morning as I was doing uh, various, various things, getting kids ready for school and whatnot. <laughs> So anyway, guys, uh, super excited again to have Ryan with us today. Uh, we're talking about getting your FFL, which is your federal firearms license, whether that's something that folks should look into. Uh, I know that we get questions from time to time, people asking about it, like, hey, you know, what if I became a dealer? Like, I want to do X, Y, Z thing. Mm-hmm. Would this be a method for being able to do that? And so that's really the intent of today's video is it'll be a little bit different from other podcasts we've typically done because it's not something we usually talk about like, hey, become a become a dealer. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, there are some reasons why you might consider doing that. I have a few friends that have become dealers through the years. I have one that started very small, just operating you know, out of his home uh, and is recently moving into uh, an actual place of business um, because that's grown for him. It was, you know, he had some specific reasons for doing it and, you know, Hey, now that's becoming more and more his, his job, which I think he's, you know, pretty happy with. So anyway, um, yeah, let's, uh, where, where should we start, Jacob? Well, I wanted to just inter- interject a personal note. Um, Ryan and us know a lot of some of the same people and they always speak very highly of Ryan. And so I reached out to Ryan in like December or January or something. And I was like, you seem cool. Like I want to be your friend. <laughs> and, uh, and he's been so generous with his time with, with me, you know, every time I've uh, reached out to him or, you know, made a phone call and we were able to connect for a while at the CCW safe summit in Oklahoma city in April. And so uh-huh. we spent some time together and I just think that Ryan's really good, genuine people, you know, Good, good, good human. I, I just oh, really enjoy man. him. Yeah. And I, I recently purchased Ryan's book as well. And I, uh, the, the long range uh, shooting handbook. And so I just am diving into the first couple of pages and I just want to do more with Ryan because he's such a credible person because he, he's, he's kind of, he's such an amazing shooter. Like clearly the guy knows how to shoot. He's got a top selling book on the topic. But he also understands the law. He's an attorney, went to law school, passed bar exam, has clients uh, who in, in the gun world and you know, worked for NSSF, worked as an executive at Remington and, and just kind of brings us all together. And what people are going to quickly find out about Ryan over time, too, I guess I said quickly and then over time it doesn't really work. But what you should know about Ryan is he's also a serial entrepreneur. The guy just can't handle it. He just he's just <laughs> I thought I was like, bad until I met you, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I hide that part of myself a yeah. little bit too, but yeah. but Ryan. So anyway, we identify really well, I think, and and I'm just really excited to hear from you, and Thanks, and man. I'm going to kick it off by 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 admitting openly that I've been uh, put offish about getting an FFL, um, mm-hmm. and so Ryan, I'm going to have you kind of address some of my personal concerns, and that's how I think we'll kick this off because uh, we often get asked, you know, hey, consultcarry.com, you know, you guys need an FL, FFL, why don't you get one? And we have a number of myriad of, of concerns or issues, but even me individually, my first initial thought is, well, I don't want the, I don't want the ATF all up in my grill. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want the ATF, you know, coming to my house and searching it or, you know, whatever, you know, nightmarish thing I can pretend to imagine in theory. Mm-hmm. So that's my first starting point, Ryan. Like if I go get an FFL, are they going to come like, you know, come you know, rip through my house and, and like <laughs> give me a, a colonoscopy? Like, well, how does it work? It depends on what you're doing with your FFL. So I, I, <laughs> I am, I'm, uh, I'm often handicapped by analogies. You guys will figure this out by the time we're done with this podcast. Uh, I, I like to make the analogy of getting an FFL to getting something like your driver's license. It's a federal firearms license. It allows you to engage in the business of buying and selling guns. A driver's license allows you to drive a car out on the roads. Getting a license for driving a car still requires knowing the basic information, maybe practicing driving. You still have to jump through hoops. You still got to go make an application. You still got to get this photo done. You still have to do it, but people don't seem to mind. And just because you get a driver's license, that doesn't mean that the cops can now, without you know, uh, complying with the Fourth Amendment, just immediately pull you over whenever they want just to search for, through your car or give you the colonoscopy, as you said. You still have your rights. Your rights don't go away just because you got a license. It's just um, scary because I think people don't know what's going on with it. It seems complicated. It seems worse than it is. You know, Riley, you brought up my videos, and I think it's a good segue for why I do the FFL stuff I do with Rocket FFL is 
if there's a brand I have in long range shooting for videos or for my book, it's this. Anyone can do it. It's not that hard. Don't worry about the complicated stuff yet. Let's just start with the basics and go along as we go. I'm taking that same approach to getting FFL. If you go read and learn everything on the forums and you take that all as truth, yeah, Jacob, I get it. I wouldn't want an FFL either if I believed all that. But I think it's important for people to remember that very same information they're getting about laws off of a forum is this very same forum that they may have been cursing at the day before because it had such bad information about their favorite gun. So there's there's just as much bad information about which gun is correct or which caliber is the best as there is about getting an FFL. And if you want to do it, I think there's a lot of good reasons to do it, but it's not for everybody. That's what we're here for. We're here just to help educate you and show you the right way to do it. And this is the worst sales pitch ever. You don't need Rocket FFL to get your FFL. Not at all. You want to go get it on your own? God bless. Go get it. I've had 27 FFLs before I made Rocket FFL. It's clearly possible. Hmm. But what we're here for is to say, if it's confusing, if it seems like it's a little overwhelming, if you want to do it the right way, we're here for you. And also, if you want to stay out of trouble later. So you're right, Jacob, I'm a firearms attorney and I represent clients. Uh, at one time I worked for a firm and represented hundreds of FFLs across the country at the same time. And often they would get into trouble. That's why they come to a lawyer, right? You, people, people go to the doctor when they're sick. They come to a lawyer when they're in trouble and they would be in trouble. And I'd be helping them get out of trouble at the ATF. And very often, one of the things we would be doing is getting them a new FFL to start fresh in a clean slate. And I caught myself repeating the same mantras over and over as I'd paced through my office. And they're paying me obscene hourly rates to get this information. And I caught myself doing this. And because I'm the serial entrepreneur, I kept thinking, man, how do I, I can't scale myself. I can charge a lot per hour, but I still got to work that hour. And I realized, you know, I can scale myself and make it a lot easier and lower the barrier to everyone if I just hit record and turn this into a course. And that was the plan is that not only is it how to get an FFL, there's seven chapters in the course. One chapter talks about how to apply. The other six chapters talk about how to make the right decision along the way. They talk about background information that you need to know so that you can set up and do business the, the proper way. There's chapters on, great, you got your FFL, congratulations. How do you start your business? There's even follow-on courses on ATF compliance and things like that. So we don't just help people get their FFL. I help you so that you don't need me. I literally am making myself obsolete with Rocket FFL because so many people didn't realize that they shouldn't have set it up as a sole proprietor or as an LLC, or they shouldn't have gotten this type. They should have gotten that type or what an SOT is. So if you need help making those decisions along the way so that you do it correctly, we'd love to help you. Mm -hmm. So Riley, like you, you've talked about getting FFL before. It's crossed your mind. I know you've, we've had that conversation. Uh, you have friends who've done it. I have friends who've done it. What are, what are some of the big like motives? Like if someone's listening to this, they're like, okay, but like, why? Like what, what's in it for me? Why would I go to the effort? You know, maybe they've, it's never mm -hmm. crossed their mind before. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's hash that out a little bit and I'll, you know, go ahead, Riley. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, let me give like one really simple answer and, mm -hmm. and reason why it's crossed my mind. Um, I've dabbled a little bit in, um, like stippling handgun grips. Okay you know, like Glocks or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of thought, Hey, you, you know, might be kind of fun if, if a friend or somebody wanted to send one along and I did some work on their gun for them. Well, 
it's one thing if it's a p320 and then you can take the grip module off and just send the grip module that that doesn't require any regulatory interference but uh if they want to send over a glock well that's that's a serialized frame that is mm-hmm. the firearm so mm-hmm. so th- that one and again that's not something i'm actively doing or pursuing but i've like i said i've t- kind of dabbled in a few things and and thought yeah that might be kind of interesting but the only way i could make something like that happen is if i had an ffl the other reason is that we sometimes in fact i've got a gun on loan with me right now that i'm reviewing that uh, you know it's it's a pain in the butt that i got to go get with my my buddy that's an ffl although it's a good excuse to see him but it should be nice if uh you know i could have manufacturers send me a t&e gun directly It'd be mm-hmm. kind of cool. So those are two two simple reasons that have kind of crossed my mind that have like, you know, like, well, that'd be nice to have, but do I want to go through the process? Do I want to have the ATF looking at my stuff? I don't know. So if you do something wrong with guns, the ATF's going to look at your stuff anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? FFL or not. You know, if if you didn't transfer a gun the right way, or you decided to stipple the Glock, for example, for as part of a business. And you're like, I don't want an FFL because I don't want the ATF here. I'm just going to do it without an FFL. Well, the ATF's still coming. <laughs> just the first thing you're going to get in trouble for is doing it without an FFL. Then you're yeah. going to get in trouble for everything else. So yeah, the FFL does not open the door to the ATF to come inspect your house. It does not open the door for them to come do anything. It's still law enforcement and you're still an American citizen. You still have the fourth amendment. Now amendment. Yeah. you have, when you become an FFL, they can do a regulatory inspection of your records, which you're agreeing to. So as part of getting the FFL, you're agreeing to this. No more than once every 12 months. ATF likes to say they average inspect every three to five years. It's more like seven to nine years. So expect every seven to nine years, an inspector from the ATF, which is not actually a law enforcement officer. They have no law enforcement capability. They're essentially an accountant to contact you and say, hey, we're going to come do an inspection, look at your records. And their inspection is limited only to the FFL records. So if you have your FFL at home in your garage, well, that's where they stay. And they don't get to say, well, what's in that Rubbermaid bin over there? And what's in that? None of your business. They're allowed to come see your bound book, which is the main record of all the guns that came in and all the guns that went out. They're allowed access to the 4473s. Those are those over-the-counter forms you fill out to buy a gun. And they're allowed access to the inventory of guns that are on the FFL, not your personal guns, right? Not anything else in your house, not your television. You know, so yes, you run the risk of getting inspected. Uh, back to the analogy of the car, you might have to go get an emissions test. That doesn't mean they can just come pop open your trunk anytime they want. Yeah, that's very reassuring. That that gives me. I mean, that's very specific context. And, I, and, and the, the, you know, the fear is always in the unknown. And now, you know, knowing something now, it seems way less significant than it did 20 minutes ago to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because you hear the war stories and half of them are probably not true. The other half are exaggerated. Uh, you know, but, oh, yeah, my buddy had an FFL and the ATF showed up, you know, 20 dudes and took all the, you know, like, and you, you hear war stories. Yes. And, and, and probably half the time it's because, well, they, they did something naughty, you know. Or just remember the person telling you that war story might have told you something a month prior that you rolled your eyes at. Right, don't right. don't all of a sudden believe this story because it has to do with something you're unfamiliar with. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Like when you watch the news sure. or a documentary and they're talking about a topic you know really well, they always get the terminology wrong or the process wrong or something, right? 
and you yep. just you might be screaming at your TV that you maybe you're into woodworking and there's a documentary they talk about woodworking and oh they that's wrong no that's not how that works and no that's not right and I can't believe they got everything wrong but yet the next 99 episodes of that documentary you're listening to them going oh that's interesting that must be true <laughs> just remember it's the same people that are giving you that information so if you want to get your information online great I, I've been accused more than once online of oh Ryan's just trying to make money trying to help people do something they can do on their own. Guys, it is way better business for me to let you go do it wrong. Because when you come to me in trouble, uh, I'm going to start you at 15,000 as a retainer. Start to help you. So it makes more business sense for me for you to let you mess it up. Or you come and take a $40 course and get it done right. It's up to you. Yeah. Which, by the way, that that that's a that's something we should just mention right now. So, if people are like, "Well, my gosh, it sounds complicated," I bet that there's seven modules, and I'm going to learn all this stuff and video and website and awesome sauce. Uh, that sounds expensive. It's not. It's not even expensive, Ryan. Like uh, your your hourly rate. You you told me the other day, and so I, I won't say it out loud because I don't know if that's something you want public. But but it's it's a small fraction of what one hour of your time would cost. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It would not, it wouldn't, wouldn't get you. Yeah. I don't even know the math, but I know it wouldn't do 10 minutes with me as, <laughs> yeah. as your attorney. Right. So I, I do that because yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's a fun business to have, but I also offer other courses. So I'll be transparent. I offer an ATF compliance program that is much more in depth and involved that you can upgrade to if you want to. Uh, but that, that's not what my main business, everything in my life is about. You know, we, we have gun university. I, I am actually a lawyer with actual clients. I write books. I do things like that. And so going to the website, I try to make it as simple as possible too. It's a big button that says, get your FFL now. Click. You start the get your FFL course and you take it at your own pace. I don't remove your access to it. I can't say you'd have access to it forever because what if I get hit by a bus and somehow they take the website down? I don't know. But I don't limit your access to the course. So you delay and drag your feet for a couple of years. It's still there. You want to go back and reference it? Go for it. Reference it. We even have an online community in the system that you can go in and talk to other people who have their FFLs. You can ask questions. I answer a lot of the questions in there. I won't guarantee I answer them all. But you have a lot of resources to help you out with, and I don't think it's that expensive. No. Um, do you mind, Jacob, if I touch on some of the reasons why I think people get their FFL? Yeah, yeah, let's hear them. So I, I jotted down my list real quick. As soon as you asked Riley, I said, I have, so six, I'll try to make them quick. Six reasons I think people get their FFL. Uh, the first one is probably not the main reason, but it's the one I want to talk about because I'm the lawyer, so I got to do the legal reason is it's to make money with guns. You have to have a business intent to get an FFL. It's actually part of the application. You don't have to make money, but it's going to be hard proving to the ATF that you had a business intent if you're not making money. There's no limit to how many guns you need to sell or how much money you need to make, but at least you have to have the intent to be in business. So that's the first reason when people want to get their FFL. A second reason and probably the most popular reason, even though no one wants to admit it and I can't officially say it'll work is people like to be exempt from gun laws. So I have no guarantee that whatever the next gun law is, so if you think an assault weapons ban is coming, I have no guarantee that it's going to exempt FFLs. All I can tell you is every major piece of firearm legislation that I've seen come out exempts FFLs. So you can't, even in state level, when I used to live in Connecticut and I was working for the NSSF, and they came out with their assault weapons ban, except for FFLs. You can't have these magazines unless you're an FFL. Federal bans. You know, you think about that. Whenever there was a ban and there was a gun on the wall that you couldn't purchase, well, it was on the wall because the FFL was allowed to have it. So although there's no guarantee, people really like the idea of being exempt from gun control laws that come out and being able to get around some of those things. And for example, I showed you guys here, 
I, mean, I manufacture FFL. Here's a SIG MCX Rattler that I just converted into a machine gun this week because I wanted to. <laughs> right, because you can right? and you felt like it. Yeah. So I have an FFL. A uh, manufacturer's FFL is $150 for three years. And I just make machine guns whenever I want. No approval from the ATF required. That's another thing. When you people think about NFA firearms, if you're a manufacturer, I make the machine gun first. And within the next business day, all I have to do is tell the ATF, hey, heads up, new machine gun exists. No permission required. Nothing like that. Make as many as you want. So that's one is to be exempt from some of the laws or, or do other things. The third reason is to save money. You're mm-hmm. getting guns at now distributor dealer cost. That's really nice. You know, to have access to the guns and be able to save money on guns for yourself. Um, you mentioned this one, Riley, not having to go to the gun shop. It's kind of nice. Although I want to support gun shops. I want to support a firearms industry. It's handy for if I want to do a review of a gun that, for example, this Sig Rattler that came in. Sig just sent that straight to me. I don't have to go to a local gun shop and deal with the transfer and things like that because I'm an FFL. Um, another reason it's popular is you you will quickly become the go-to person in your circle of friends. Once your gun friends and your non-gun friends know that you're an FFL, you'll be surprised at how people come out of the woodwork. You'll be at your kid's softball game, and one of the other parents will be like, oh, hey, I'm looking to get a gun. What can I get? It's Some people like that. If you don't like the attention, don't get an FFL, because people are going to want to come you know, order guns through you, get advice from guns for you, stuff like that. Um, and I already mentioned have guns that you can't already have. You know, th- This is a machine gun that was made this week. If you're not an FFL, you can't have that. No matter what you do, you can't legally possess that. So those, those are my quick list, top six reasons people get their FFL. Uh, Ryan, talk a little bit more about NFA items for people who are not familiar with the, the NFA mm-hmm. 1934, Title III class, whatever people term people mm-hmm. like. Like yeah. what, are, what are those items that are naughty for me to have, but you, you know, you're special, you can have them because you have an FFL. Well, so the only one that I can have for sure that you cannot possess is a post-1986 machine gun. So you can still have other NFA firearms. So let's talk about those. Um, yeah, it has a lot of different names. So NFA firearms is what some people call them. Uh, sometimes they're called Title II firearms, even though it's the first major gun control law and the Gun Control Act of 68 was the second one that came out. You can tell by the years and math. Mm-hmm. But the latter one, the Gun Control Act, is called Title I. The earlier one's called Title II. Go figure. The Gun Control Act, of, I mean, the National Firearms Act of 1934 regulated certain super scary guns. Uh, these are silencers. Yes, federal law calls silencer a firearm. You'll learn that in the course. The definition of a firearm includes a silencer. Uh, short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, machine guns, any other weapons, which is actually a category of guns called AOWs or any other weapons, things like cane guns and pen guns and stuff like that, um, and destructive devices, uh, grenades, bombs, things like that. So those specific types of firearms again, including silencers, are regulated by the National Firearms Act and they require a tax be paid and they're required to be registered. There's actually a federal law that says there cannot be a federal firearms registry. That's actually in the Firearms Owners Protection Act that prevents the federal government from keeping a registry of who owns what guns. That's real law that really has real world implications every single day. Whether you guys know it or believe it or not, it's true. But NFA firearms, there is a registry. There's actually a list with the ATF, with your name on it, with every single NFA firearm you have. And that's why you have to apply for it and get it transferred to you and pay a tax on it. The tax also comes from it for a little freebie information for people. This is back when the ATF used to be under Treasury before they were under the Department of Justice. So really, their only way to regulate something was to tax it. So that's why we have a federal tax on those items. 
Um, most of those items carry a $200 tax per item. The AOWs are only a $5 tax. So if you want to go buy a silencer, you can go to your local gun shop. You see the silencer, buy the silencer, but you can't take possession of the silencer yet. You can own it. You just can't possess it. You have to file paperwork with the ATF. There's a bunch of different numbered forms. We don't have to get into them. I'm not hiding it. You guys, if you want, I'll tell you. I just don't want to throw too many numbers at you. <laughs> but you fill out a form as an application to the ATF with fingerprint cards, with pictures, and a check for $200 to the ATF. And maybe a year later, the ATF will approve the form. And in that year, they're running a background check on you with your fingerprints and photos. And they're also literally walking over from one file cabinet and saying, well, silencer is at Joe Bob's gun shop. And they're walking it over to your file and putting it in your file and say, now it's with Jacob Paulson. And your form will come back approved with an actual stamp on it. There's actually a stamp that says 200 bucks on it. And now you have the authority to take possession of the silencer. And a year later, you can go back to the gun shop and finally take home your silencer. That's the normal way of doing it. And you can have all these NFA firearms with permission, of course, if you pass everything, except machine guns made after 1986 for other laws, other reasons insert here. Now, as an FFL, I'm allowed to be engaged in the business of buying and selling and even making guns. And if I want to deal with NFA firearms, I can also become something that's called a special occupational taxpayer or an SOT, if you guys have heard of that. That's where the class one, class two, and class three come in. You'll hear people sometimes say, oh, I like going to this shop because they're a class three dealer. It's technically not the right terminology, but I know what you mean when they say that. What, you're, what you really mean is they are a type one FFL dealer is, who is also a class three SOT. The point is, don't worry about the classes of SOT unless you come do the course. I explain it there and I break it down simply for you. What the SB coming an SOT does is it's not a license you get. It's not a thing you get. It's a tax status you become with the government. You are a special taxpayer now. You just pay a once a year tax so you don't pay per item. So I pay $500 per year to be an SOT. And that means as many silencers as I want to buy or sell, as many short barreled rifles as I want to buy or sell, as many machine guns as I want to make, I don't have to pay a tax per item. I just pay 500 bucks once per year to do that. And at any given time I want to stop working with NFA firearms, I just can stop paying the tax and be a regular FFL with regular guns. It's not that hard. So does that help explain everything? Yep, absolutely. So the majority of NFA you know, items, uh, you know, the short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, uh, silencers, those are all things that you know Joe Schmo can go buy, just got to be mm-hmm. willing to wait a while and pay a tax. Correct. But by having FFL and the, and being the SOT, or I, I already forgot the right verbiage. That's by, fine. By, by by being a special taxpayer. And yeah. being an SOT. Yes. yes. And FFL is what FFL you have, and SOT and is what being, you are an SOT, yeah. uh, then, you know, I can, I can possess and move those things in and out of my inventory with, without uh, a per item cost. I'm paying a flat fee annually to do it. Correct. And now and I, I, I get the machine right? guns. Yeah. You can make, you can make, if you have a type seven FFL like I do, which is actually cheaper than a dealer's FFL, go figure mm-hmm. for the first three years. Anyway, you can just make a machine gun whenever you want. Now you still have to have approval from the ATF to move these items around. Not the things I make. But let's say, Jacob, you want, you get your FFL, you become an SOT, and I have a silencer that you want. We still have to apply for the permission to move it so the ATF can move it from one file folder to the other, but the approval takes about a day. So instead of waiting a year and then having to pay a $200 check per and the fingerprints and the photos, that's the other thing. People talk about, oh, I don't want to do an FFL. It sounds complicated. I'd rather just go do the silencer. I'm like, well, the FFL is an application with some fingerprints and some photos and a check. 
that's too complicated. So you instead would rather fill out the ATF form four with fingerprints and photos and a check every single gun. Yeah. <laughs> doing it once is a lot better than doing it a bunch of times. But so you get the, the silencer now without having to pay the 200 bucks per silencer, you get it within a day or two instead of waiting a year. And you're now allowed to sell it for a profit. Yeah. Yeah. That seems so I, I just filed a form four like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sitting here going, maybe I should have done something else. So if you were an FFL, you would instead file a form three. I said, I wouldn't get into the numbers, but we might as well call them the right thing. You'd file a form three. And sometimes they can take up to a week, but it's usually one or two days. You'd, you'd already have your silencer right now. If you're an FFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the $200 you just paid for that silencer, you know, after your third NFA item, you, you're saving money even by going full bore and being an SOT. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I ever really, now granted I haven't in the past been that involved in, in NFA items, silencers, especially for instance, but, uh, but it's becoming more of an interest of mine as of late. So, uh, I hadn't really looked at the, just the simple math of it that closely. I hadn't given I tell people to start with an FFL. That's the, it's, it's the gateway drug. Get the FFL. Don't worry about becoming an SOT yet if you don't want to. And pretty soon you're going to see how easy it is to go onto your distributor's website like I do and look at their inventory of warehouses of guns and say, oh, I'll take that one. Click. <laughs> and two days later, it's like Amazon Prime for guns. There's a gun on my doorstep. <laughs> and I walk out and open up and go, oh, yay, a gun for me. <laughs> that That is so fun and so easy to do that very quickly you're going to go, wow. Silencers have even more of a markup sometimes. It's not uncommon to get a $1,000 silencer for 500 bucks. And you're like, man, I could click this button and two days later, the silencer's going to be on my doorstep. <laughs> yeah, I'll become an SOT. And you just become an SOT and you do it from there. So it's, you know, you, the case could be made that to save money, I could become an FFL at the same time that might cause me to spend more money. <laughs> it's up to you. Yes, you absolutely can save money. So let's say sure. even with paying for a course to make sure you do it the right way. So let's, let's round up to $50 even for the course. Let's say you decide to become a manufacturer. That's $150 for three years. So it's $200 for three years. So you're looking at what, about 60 change, mm-hmm. right? Per year. If you decide to buy two Glocks and sell them to your buddies, even not at full retail, you're going to make your $60 back. Mm-hmm. And then the third Glock you bought and kept for yourself, you just saved $100 because you got it cheaper. So Yes, you could absolutely save money with an FFL, but you don't get an FFL to save money. You should have an FFL with a business intent. Even if you're just doing transfers for your buddies, you don't have to charge them retail. You could charge them your cost and just charge them 20 bucks to do the paperwork. That alone is a way to make, if you do three of those a year, you're at least going to break even with your costs. So, mm. but yeah, it's, you're, you're going to, if you're like me, it's too easy to, um, enjoy your own product as a dealer, which you're not <laughs> supposed to do is what I hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got the joke. It took me a second. Ryan, <laughs> there's some questions here for some live viewers wondering uh, what, if any variances or concerns, restrictions might exist uh, on FFLs at the state level. So does a person who lives in New Jersey versus California versus Texas um, need to you know, know things? And is that addressed in the course? Yes. And yes. So, the hard answer, but it's the truth, is I am an attorney in Connecticut, 
I'm not probably an attorney in your state. So if you're in California, I'm not licensed to practice law in California. The course that you're taking is not legal advice. I'm not, there's no attorney client relationship being established. So I can't speak to every single law you need to possibly do, but I do break it down. So in California, for example, I break down, Hey, you need to register here. Here's the form. You need to register here. Here's the form. Every transaction you need to do this here it is. Uh, so I do walk you through the state requirements of the problem states. There's only a few problem states. They're easy to figure out which ones the problem states are, but there are some extra requirements to doing that. There's also a requirement if you're going to form a business and not be a sole proprietor. So let's say you want to make an LLC. Well, you still need to also create the LLC. I walk you through that in the course as well too. Hey, you got to register your business with your state. You got to actually give your business a name. You got to do things like that. So we talk about that in there. So there are some extra requirements, but you know already if you live in a state where it's going to be an extra problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're yeah. probably talking about 10 or less states, I imagine. Right. Or even cities. New York City, you want to make machine guns in an apartment in New York City. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that as a conflict. A lot, there'd yeah. be a lot of FFLs in New York City if that was a possibility. But home-based FFLs? There are there are more. So I, I get this question a lot too. Well, you're allowed to have an FFL at your home. I heard the ATF shut that down. Absolutely untrue. Under Clinton, they tried to start reducing the number of home-based FFLs, what they call kitchen table FFLs. But here's here's proof that not only is it possible, um, it's common. More FFLs in this country right now, today, the majority of current FFLs are home-based FFLs. So not only is it possible, it's the most popular option. So yes, you can, out of your house, get an FFL, do business. You're just going to have to make sure that you comply with zoning. So that's why I said like in New York City, you're not going to get a license to manufacture machine guns in the apartment building. But I've ha- I've obtained licenses to manufacture guns in uh, office space in a high-rise downtown. I go through the course. I even ta- I even give you sample letters you can give to zoning if there's any pro- tr- you know troubles. Because sometimes, you know, out of your home, you want to get a manufacturer's license. Someone from zoning might really panic. Whoa, we don't want a gun manufacturer set up in a neighborhood. Well, depends on what kind of gun manufacturer you're going to be. If you're going to do what I did and drill a hole in an AR-15 to make it a machine gun, that's not the manufacturing they had intended they're trying to ban. Or according to the ATF, if you assemble an AR-15, that's manufacturing. Assembling an AR-15 is manufacturing a gun. So if that's what you want to do, I give you sample letters to explain to zoning. Whoa, guys, don't panic. We're not going to be having machinery and you know, not commercial activity here. You can explain the way and get it there. Most zoning issues that people come up with are about foot traffic. They're about an HOA. They're about somebody saying, well, we don't want a gun shop in our neighborhood. You just have to explain to them, look, I'm not going to be a gun shop. Might do occasional transfers or internet only sales. I have so many clients that just sell on gun broker. They have guns shipped to their house. They sell the guns online. That's a business. They don't have to have necessarily foot traffic. Yeah. Yeah. That all makes a lot of sense. Uh, And I know that was one little hoop that a friend of mine had to jump through that, uh, you know, he had to get uh, approval through a zoning uh, uh, commission. And, you know, they kind of, he had some neighbors that uh, complained a little bit, but uh, the, like you said, people come out of the woodwork and one of the neighbors that initially complained ended up becoming one of his customers. So mm-hmm. kind of funny how that uh, turned out. Um, I I have to think from like a home-based FFL standpoint, like a homeowner. So I have a couple of questions for you that are okay. sort of specific to that. So for instance, 
What if I am on a two-week vacation with my family? We are out of states or maybe even out of country. Mm-hmm. And the ATF inspector, I don't know if it, whether it's a phone call, a letter, or whatever, all of a sudden shows up while I'm away. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that all work? How, how If they decide they're going to come and inspect your books, uh, how are you notified? How much time are you given, uh, you know, notice wise and what exceptions, if any, are there for situations where you can't be there for, to, to comply with that inspection request? Good question. So, uh, normally there's no advance notice because they don't want to warn you. They might just come up and knock during your business hours. Now they can only come during your business hours and you get to pick when your business hours are. You can say Saturdays from eight to 10 AM is it. ATF may not like that. They might ask you to have a little bit more business hours, but you get to define your business hours that the ATF can show up during. And you don't have to be open. There's no part in any rule or law that says your business must be open all the time. You're allowed to go take a lunch break. You're allowed to take vacations. Lately, the ATF has been calling ahead, which is wonderful, saying, hey, we'd like to come schedule an inspection next week. That's that's a gift. Take it if it happens. Mm -hmm. So you're on vacation and they call you. You answer the phone and say, Sorry, I'm on vacation. Business closed. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Business is closed. <laughs> yeah, it's not open to inspect. Now, if you have employees and the business is running, you can't say, I'm on vacation, get lost. They'll say, great, enjoy your vacation. We're going to be here inspecting your business because it's open. But mm-hmm. no, you need to close your business down, close your business down, especially if you're doing online-only sales. You're not having foot traffic in there. Uh, do you guys mind if I respond to some of the comments that are coming in? Sure. Yeah, yeah. there's some good ones here about, uh, I'm specifically yeah. curious about, you know, I have an existing business entity, you know, How's that work? Yep. Great. Business entity or individual can get an FFL. No problem. Uh, business already exists. That's fine. The business, w- if you wanted the business to get the FFL, then the business is the FFL holder, not you. You would just have the authority to act as the FFL as an employee or owner of the business, just like the other employees would. So that's fine. I saw one that just came up that said, some distributors do not want to do business with home-based FFLs required of brick and mortar. True. True. But other ones do allow it. So I have relationships with just with distributors that when you graduate through the program, I have their contact information right there. You reach out to the person and say, I got my FFL through Rocket FFL, and they set you up in an account. So I, I wouldn't use that as a reason not to get an FFL just because a business may not work with you. Um, but I guess that's your preference. That's, that's kind of like saying, I don't like pizza because some pizza places won't deliver to my house. True. Some others will. So <laughs> that, that's your choice. Um, if you have a C-Corp party, can you get an FFL? Yep. Do you need to be an LLC or can you just be a sole proprietorship? You can be a sole proprietorship and there's pros and cons to both. I, I, I walk through them in the course. My personal preference is to not do it as a sole proprietorship, but there are some really good reasons to do it as one. And I, I leave that up to you once we explore and go through all that to decide which one's better for you. I, I like the legal liability installation much better, but yeah. the benefits of a sole proprietorship is it's not a company now that has technical possession of those firearms it's you so it makes things it can make things easier in the future yeah so maybe depending on your business objective or what you know what you see as your future growth exactly yeah, I, I can see that i can see that but i will I never personally recommend that you do that though i will always recommend you get an llc but there sure. can be reasons to do it sure so i have two follow-up questions my, my first one is you know, if, I, if I'm if i not a person who's very organized, right? Someone might be listening to this right now. They're mm-hmm. thinking, I have to maintain specific books. I have to keep records. You know, how complex is that? Is that something that's going to be overwhelming and daunting and I'm going to suck at it and get in trouble? I don't think it's overwhelming, but I'll go back to my bad sales pitch again. This isn't for everybody. 
Sure. If you self-identify as somebody who's not organized, or if you self-identify as someone who forgets to file something when it's supposed to be filed, or you know that you're the person that puts the letter on the corner of your desk that's supposed to go out in the mail by a certain deadline, and two weeks later, it's still sitting there because you forgot, do not get an FFL. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Um, it's very easy to not be in trouble with an FFL. It's, I think it's easier than not getting in trouble driving a car, going back to that analogy. If you are someone who can't obey traffic laws, who can't keep your eyes open, who loves to put the pedal to the metal all the time, maybe you shouldn't get a driver's license. That's not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying once you get that license, you now have to be the type of person that's willing to follow the rules on the road. Once you get the FFL, you need to be willing to follow the rules as an FFL, which are actually much easier. You just have to make sure that when a gun comes in, it gets logged in. Make, model, serial number, date, from whom. Done. But if you're the type of person that gets the gun and wants to go play with it and gets distracted and never goes over and logs into the book, that simply, and you forget to do that, and a month goes by, now you're never going to do it because you forgot about it. Now a year goes by, the ATF comes and inspects, you're going to have a problem. They're going to say, hey, you didn't log the gun in, you were supposed to. Or if someone, you're going to do over-the-counter transactions where you're going to actually have people in front of you filling out 4473s. And you're not able to look at that and be disciplined and pay attention that there's no typos in that 4473. Either don't get your FFL at all or don't do 4473s. I hate doing 4473s. I encourage many people to get their FFL and never do a 4473. Instead, put the burden on the local gun shop. One, that helps support your local dealer network, keeps them in business. Two, it gets rid of the seven out of the 10 top violations every year that my clients will get. Seven out of the top 10 violations every year from the ATF are for typos on that 4473. Mm. So if that's not you and you don't want to keep them all organized and in the right order and you know ready for inspection and make sure there's no typos, great. Order the gun from your distributor, shows up to your house, ask the person which gun shop they'd like to use or go sell it on Gunbroker or do something like that and let the gun shop do the paperwork. Your risk just went down to literally having a book that said, Glock 19 serial number 123 came in from this distributor and then Glock 19 serial number 123 went out to Joe Bob's gun shop. Your paperwork burden is done. But know yourself. If, if you can't stay on top of that, um, either don't get an FFL or enlist the help of someone that can. You can have, if you make a company, you can have employees. You can have a spouse help you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually much better at conducting business when I'm not the one taking care of that when I have someone in the company that can focus on keeping those books. Mm. Uh, this is another good question uh, from an online viewer. Mark asks, um, are mobile FFLs allowed? Like, do I have to have a physical address and do I have to conduct the business at that address only? Yes. There's actually, I, I was just on a phone call um, with someone before this podcast and they were talking about, you know, offering like a concierge type service. The, Actual rules are that you can only conduct business at your licensed premises or a qualifying event. And qualifying events are things like gun shows or special sporting events. Other than that, you have to conduct business at your licensed premises. And yes, you must have a licensed premises because that's where the ATF needs to know that they can inspect to find your inventory, your records, and you when it's time for inspection. So mobile, sure, go to the range and show off the gun. I don't even care if you take the gun and use it as a sales sample for somebody, but when it comes time to conducting the business, it needs to be at the licensed location. Mm -hmm. um, back to a question I had uh, for, again, from the viewpoint of a typical homeowner, 
uh, would be, what if I decide I'm going to move? So what, 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 what is involved in now transporting this business, this FFL to a different location? Is that, is that complicated at all? You fill out a change of address form and send it to the ATF. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. A change of address form. The, there's going to be a, a little bit of time involved. You know, give the ATF some notice. This is the federal government we're dealing with. Um, give them some notice that you're going to do the change of address. And if you don't give them enough notice, no big deal. Just don't do business until you get the new FFL at the new location. Just yeah. pause business while while it's pending. They're going to have an inspector still show up at the new location, just like they did at your original location, just because they want to look around and say, okay, yes, there's a building here. Okay, yes, things look good. Um, and by the way, that visit counts as an initial inspection, which means the second they come to visit you and meet you, hi, you know the rules. Here, here's some paperwork for you to look over. Okay, this looks like you're going to have guns here. Sounds good to me. That technically counts as an inspection, which means they're not allowed to come back for at least 12 months legally. Hmm. And I presume it's the same thing if I'm changing from home to like a storefront. Like, oh, I'm going to go get an office space now. Same difference? Yep. Matter of fact, you might not even want to do a change of address. Uh, you could just get a second FFL there. There's no limit to the number of FFLs you have. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So someone asked, what type of uh, security alarm system gun safe is required by the ATF? That one's easy. None. There is no security alarm system gun safe or anything like that required by the ATF. What's required is reasonable security. I go through the course, how to nuance that and what that actually means. But no, there's not. That, that's, that's one of the many myths you hear online about what you have to have for safety or storage. I think you should have an alarm system. Right. You shouldn't worry about liability and out some cash, you know? Yeah. And you are the front, I think FFLs are the front line of defense against the criminal misuse of firearms. You know, the reason you do this paperwork, the reason that background checks exist, the reason things like that is because you're the front line of defense to help make sure that gun doesn't start off in the wrong person's hands, which means not having your entire inventory of guns sitting on your front porch where anyone could just take them. So you have to have regional security, but it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reasonable. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what are, what are two or three, um, like common screw ups? You know, someone might be listening to this. They already have an FFL. They're like, yay, right. You know, Ryan's talking about the awesome thing. Cool thing. I'd love to do myself. But what are, what are th- th- things that you see a lot of these, especially the smaller guys that just consistently do wrong and gets them in trouble? Business formation and business ownership, they, they do wrong, not understanding who would be technically an employee or who might be a part of the FFL, or they have a business already that's maybe a machine shop and they want to start getting into guns. And so they don't, they don't properly disclose or lay out that hierarchy of the business. It sounds boring, but it's really important to the ATF. Another thing they don't do right is they misunderstand the responsibility that we already covered. They think, ah, I got an FFL. I'm, I'm, I'm walking two different lines here. And one, I'm saying it's not that bad. And the other, I'm saying it's serious. Well, they're both true. It's not that bad, but it's also serious. So they start off and say, oh, I got a gun. Oh, I got to remember to log that gun in. And they don't do it. Or they don't get set up right on the, on the right track that way. And they get behind on paperwork. That can be a serious problem. Uh, or they're not good at keeping records. They're not good at keeping stuff in an organized spot or things like that. They can, they can get themselves in trouble. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. A live viewer here asked a great question. What's the typical startup cost for an FFL? Well, um, like I, as an, as an attorney, this is my favorite answer. It depends. <laughs> uh, it depends what you want to do. So Jacob, 
let's say wants to get an FFL because he wants to get some guns for himself, maybe conduct the occasional transfer to make 10 or $20 from a friend, maybe sell a gun on Gunbroker, something like that. Well, I'm just going to assume that you're going to use Rocket FFL. So that's 50 bucks. You're going to have a couple of postage stamps for your application, right? Um, you're going to have your application fee. Let's say maybe Jacob wants to be a, a manufacturer FFL. It's the $150 for the Type 7 FFL for three years. So he's looking at $201, including the envelope and postage, to be an FFL for three years. Now, every three years after that, he has to renew his FFL. That's not that bad. So that's the startup cost for Jacob because he's already got, he's got his computer. He can have a free gun broker account, and that's it. Now you want to be a bigger operation, and now you're thinking, maybe I don't want to just keep my, my records by hand or on an Excel spreadsheet. Maybe I want to pay for a nicer software meant for FFLs. Well, that could be $10 a month or $40 a month for the software if you're doing a lot of guns. Or if you want a storefront and you want, you know, the, you can see the price goes up from whatever you want to be. But as the bare minimum, you need a license. That's it. From there, it can only go higher. Mm-hmm. How long does it typically take to process a an application for an FFL? Two months. You you by by application, you should have your FFL within two months. Mm. It takes bad. about six weeks for the ATF to contact you and schedule the first visit for them just to come meet you. And I have a whole chapter on that. What? Don't be afraid. It's not going to be a big problem. This is what we're going to talk about. Um, I think one of the best feedbacks we get from Rocket FFL students is how impressed the ATF is because the ATF is assuming you know nothing. And as they go to try and tell you the things, they ask you questions. People that take the Rocket FFL course go, oh, I know I got to do this X, Y, and Z. And the ATF goes, oh, wow, you already knew that. Occasionally, they'll correct the ATF uh, on things because they, 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 they learn it better on what the requirements are. And then that inspector will go back and give you the thumbs up and the actual paper license will arrive in another couple of weeks. This is a really good question from Ken who's viewing. And I, well, I was trying to think how to word this question, but I guess I'm thinking like, what's my worst case scenario, right? Like if I, if I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm in, I do this. And for whatever reason, I, I just, I changed my mind. I don't want to do it anymore. Or I write it out for a wave and I decide that I'm, I'm done and for whatever, whatever reason, or maybe I, I have five FFLs and I want to shut one down. What are, what are the requirements relative to shutting it down? You know, how, keeping paperwork and all that stuff. It's easy. You shut it down and send the paperwork in. You send oh. the paperwork into the ATF so they can have access to it. So the federal registry, I said, that can't exist. That's because they have to do a trace request is what it's called. Is, so let's say a gun gets used in a crime and it's a Smith & Wesson M&P. Well, the police department picks up the Smith & Wesson M&P, looks at the serial number, and they actually call Smith & Wesson. And they say, hey, serial number 123. When was this made and where did you send it? Smith & Wesson goes through their records. This happens every single time for a trace. They say, oh, we got it. We sent it to Lipsy's as a distributor two years ago. Great. Thank you. They hang up the phone. They call Lipsy's. Hey, Lipsy's, you got Smith & Wesson M&P 123 on this date from Smith & Wesson. They're going to say, oh, we sure did. Where'd you send it? Oh, we sent that to uh, concealedcarry.com FFL on this date. Okay, great. Thanks. Hang up the phone. Hey, Jacob, apparently you got a gun from Lipsy's. I sure did. What happened? I sold it to Riley on this date. Thank you. <laughs> They have to do that all the way down the chain. So when you go out of business, you're now a missing link in that chain for them to be able to trace guns. So you, there's a whole process for it. I talk about it in the course, which forms and how, how you do it. But the forms end up getting back to the ATF so that they now, when it says it went to this FFL, they can go look at their records and pull out the piece of paper if they need to, to fill in the missing link in the chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, Scooty asks, if, you, if, I get, if, I, if I'm an SOT, 
and I have some inventory of SO2, SOT related items, you know, whatever, short barrel rifles or mm-hmm. awesome machine guns. And a couple of years later, I'm like, you know what? I'm done with that. I, I just don't want to justify the $500, you know, SOT uh, stamp or tax or thing anymore. Uh, I want to be done with that. What, what does that look like? I got to move some of this inventory. I got to, you know, dump it. Am I just good to keep it now? Like, what does that look like? You can keep it all. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you set it up right, this isn't guaranteed. You have to do it the right way. If you set up the FFL right, you could even decide to get rid of your FFL and you keep all the silencers. ATF's wise to this, though. Do not get an FFL thinking you're going to be smart and do this and say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy 20 silencers. Get an FFL, buy 20 silencers. Two and a half months later, you've got everything when all your buddies are still waiting a year and they paid a ton of money <laughs> and then say, ha ha, now I don't want my FFL. Take it back, ATF. I got you. They're going to know. They're going to catch you on to that. And that is not a valid reason to get an FFL. So don't do that. However, <laughs> if you had the actual business intent and for whatever reason you decided later that you don't want the FFL anymore, depends on how you structured the FFL, whether it's in the company or your name or things like that. But if it's a company, the company still owns the property. The company still owns those silencers. And if you're still an FFL, you can still be engaged in the business of buying and selling things. You just got to be careful with the NFA items. The only thing, so if you get rid of the FFL and the SOT and you're like, I'm out of the game, and you had this entire gun store's worth of inventory that is now magically yours, okay, the only thing that you can't keep would be post-86 machine guns. Sure. So you get rid of those, but all the other stuff you could keep, but yeah. It's fun to say and think about, but I just, I hesitate. You can hear it in my, like, I'm like, I don't want to tell you guys this because I don't want people thinking that's a slick way to do it. You will get yourself in trouble if you do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's just a good to know thing. If it happens. And not a, a good plan. Yeah. If it happens, the only guns you're going to have to hurry up and find someone to buy from you are the post 86 machine guns. And the ATF even expedites and makes that process even easier. So it's actually hard for me. So if you got your FFL. Jacob, and you wanted this machine gun, we actually have to jump through more hoops because it's a post-J6 machine gun. However, if I'm going out of business, the ATF just rubber stamps it and lets you get the machine gun because they know you have to. I have to get it out of my possession. So they do everything they can to make that easy. Hmm. Interesting. I'll even look on Gunbroker for machine guns, and you'll find ones where the dealer's going out of business. Mm, so it makes it sure. even easier sure. to get them. Mm-hmm. So, so we should have you back is, in the future. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so the point is to go into this with the right reasons and the right intent. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to get out of the game, uh, all right, big whoop. Exactly right. Or if the ATF shows up, these myths that you hear, there's no minimum requirement of guns you have to sell. The ATF can't come inspect every part of your life whenever they want. Um, the paperwork and requirements are not hard at all. You just got to do them. You just got to be disciplined enough to do them. Um, it, it's not that bad. It's just have a business intent. You intend to do transfers for friends. I don't know what's enough. A couple a year, you transfer a couple guns a year and you charge your buddies 20 bucks. There's a business intent. You sell a few guns on gun broker. There's a business intent. You can use it to enhance your personal collection. You just can't have it only to enhance your personal collection. So, and if you decide that, you know what, this isn't worth the hassle. Yeah. Wrap it up, close business, you know, close, close up shop and send it in. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This has been really fascinating, Ryan, because I think that a lot of this stuff is, uh, I don't know, it feels a little cloak and daggery, you know, to the un- to the uninformed, uh, you know, behind the curtain kind of thing. So is exactly why we made the course, right? Right. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. that's the, the point, point is, if, if by the end of the course, you're like, man, this is complicated, send me an email, I'll give you your money back. Because mm-hmm. you clearly did not cut the product you paid for. The product you're paying for is to make this not complicated. So if you're confused now or you're worried about it, great. That's why we have Rocket FFL online courses. 
And if by the end of those courses, I failed to make this a no brainer to where you actually have your checklist to print out of what to do next and what comes where, if you didn't get that, then yeah, just let me know. Send me an email. Hey, Ryan, I'm still confused. I'll say, sorry about that. <laughs> Here's your money. Cause uh, that's the whole point of the course is to not make you confused anymore. So you understand what's going on. Yeah. Since we've been logged in here, you know, for those who are listening and, and maybe didn't see some of the comments coming in, we've had at least two people comment who are Ryan's customers who, who have said, Hey, yeah, I, I went to rocket FFL. I took the course. It was amazing. I'm, I'm all set. Uh, one person mentioned they're waiting on their interview right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, there's, you know, there's a, there's a live track record right here of people who say that the product's really easy. And I only kind of want to make this a sales pitch, but I, I do want to make it a sales pitch because I think the takeaway for me from this is, okay, now, you know, if you've listened to this point, you know, uh, the reasons why you'd want mm-hmm. to do this, mm-hmm. you know, you know, what some of the, 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 the potential concerns might be and what the obvious uh, ways to address those concerns are that we've 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 addressed now, mm-hmm. and and hopefully the biggest thing you know is that if the, if you're interested, if you want to do this, it's pretty clear, easy, no brainer, fifty dollar investment that's going to give you a really nice ROI. Just go take the course from Ryan. Uh, so yeah. um, I think that's that you know infinite value there, Ryan. We're really we're really grateful for your time and that you've Thanks. made a product that's so easy. And 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 that it, the product is not made by some random dude who sees you know money on a table. It's made by someone who right. is an attorney and said, you know what? I've given the speech enough times. Clearly there's, there's a need for something. Exactly right. Exactly right. When I hear all the objections to it and well, it's complicated. Well, that's what I'm taking away. That's, that's actually the product you would be buying. If you come and sign up for rocket FFL is you're buying me taking away the complication. That, that's what it is. And I hope it works. I hope it grows our industry. I hope it makes more guns be sold. I hope it makes you take more people to the range and introduce more people to shooting. If this is a way to do that, man, what a great way. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, it's been, it's actually like, I thought I understood some things, but you've uh, corrected me on some of those. Um, and uh, yeah, like that's, that's cool, man. Like I dig it. Like I, I want to go take your course. Just like even whether or not I'm going to even go down this road at all. Like I, I'm just curious what's all in the course. So. <laughs> it's not that much. It really isn't. I, I say all those chapters in there, but you could finish it in a couple hours if you just sat through it, you know, front to back. But I recommend people don't. I recommend they take their time and go through it. And I, I for the application, for example, I go through number by number. In this box, they're asking for this. Here's some tips. This is what you should put. This is why you should put this. You know, we go through the process and yeah, it's not that bad. You can do it. I mean, we have, we've been doing it for a few years now. We have, I don't know the exact number now, but we passed 10,000 customers a little while ago. So 10,000 people have gotten their FFL by doing it this way. And it's got to work somehow. Yeah. Uh, what, what, yeah, I got to make the ATF unhappy. Think how much more work we've made for the federal government. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking in my head that, that that that's more than 10% of the current FFL database. Or that, so. that are active, yeah. That are active, yeah. yeah ten, ten, so, and then, of course, you go read the blog, too. You don't have to buy my course. I'd love it, sure. But on the blog, I my most popular article on my website is how to get your FFL. <laughs> of course. I tell you how to get your FFL. And you don't know what FFL type you should get? Great. I have an article that says FFL types, everything you need to know. And I break it down and tell you which FFL type you should get. So I want to be a resource. I want to help you. If the course is that way, awesome. If not, God bless. So 
And speaking of blog, I, I just opened that up on your site here. And the very first thing I see is how to get your FFL in New York, including New York City. Yeah. And the next one, guide to getting your Oklahoma FFL. I'm going to guess for Mark's sake, who has been, I know Mark's in California. And so he's very curious. I'm going to guess you have an article that's something to do with getting your FFL in California. I do. And those are all at the top of the roll there because those are the most recent articles we're going. And that's why they're also in alphabetical order. And so we've been knocking through those for the states. That's going to tell you the basics, what you need to know. Already there in the article. Again, it's I, I list in California for the California DOJ. You have to register a couple different ways in the forms. I don't hide the ball in the course. There it is. Go do it. You register here. Here's a link to the form. Have fun. Go get your FFL. Um, I, 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 the thing I want to avoid the most besides seeing people get in trouble is trying to make you pay for something that you don't need. I, I only want people to join rocket FFL cause they truly want to do it the right way. But if you want to research on your own, you can do that. Um, I, Jacob, and I talk about that. I think we have the same belief in business. I only want customers that want to be customers. So if you'd like some help, go through the process. I'm here for you. If not, Go do some research, get your FFL. And if you do get in trouble later or you end up you know, with issues later, our follow-on courses might be for you. Like our employee course, we have a, a one hour long employee course because I know that gun shops when they hire a new employee, it's so much easier for them to sit down for 20 bucks. Welcome to the, welcome to the job, new employee. Sit down for an hour and take this course. I have a 20 question quiz in the 4473 that stumps even me sometimes if I'm not paying attention. I give 20 different 4473s with a different typo each that you got to try and hunt and find where it's at. And by the end of that, it makes them all better at it. So, so maybe that's a way I'm going to be able to help you. Mm. Even if you got your FFL on your own. That's cool, man. Absolutely. So there's, that's the call to action guys. I think if you've listened to all this, you know, ponder a little bit, but if you think an FFL is for you, or maybe if you already have an an FFL, uh, then I would encourage you to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash FFL. That's our affiliate linky thingy. Mm. So that, You'll go to Ryan's website, but then he'll pay us if you give him money. Uh, if you don't want us to get paid, you just go to rocketffl.com. You can Google it. I'm confident. I've done it. Just type in rocketffl into Google, and you'll find it because uh, you're too lazy to type in a .com. <laughs> and, and then when you get there, check out all the different courses. Or if, you, if you're if you still not sure, there's you know the blog's got tons of content, tons of great information and resources, and we want you to be informed um, I appreciate, and this is what I'm going to end with, Ryan, for me. This is going to be my my last words, and I'll, I'll toss it to, back to you and Riley. But I appreciate what you said about us getting more people, more FFLs in this country is better for the Second Amendment. It's better for oh. our community. It's better for our industry in infinite ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we need to take that seriously. I'll, I'll let you kind of comment on that, and then I'll, I'll toss it to Riley, and I'll be done. Uh, we agree. Riley gave the example of somebody who had a neighbor that was against them being an FFL and became a customer. That happened because they got an FFL. You know, if, if also if you're going to be an FFL and you're going to help make sure that the person who's not supposed to have guns isn't getting them because you're doing your job and you're watching out for bad transactions, that's also good. Welcome to our industry. This is great. Anything we can do to make our industry stronger, not just from a money standpoint, so we can have a bigger representation in the country. Um, but we can also introduce new people to shooting. And if your way to do that is that new shooter that might be intimidated to walk into a gun shop and talk to this, the typical gun store employee behind the counter, cause they don't want to go through that experience would have a better experience coming to you in your home and having you know, a, a more enjoyable entry into firearms, then you should be doing that. Hmm. 
really good things to to think about and consider. I sincerely appreciate your time with us here today, Ryan. And, uh, you know, Jacob already mentioned it. So concealcarry.com forward slash FFL. Um, you uh, are doing good work there, brother. And also elsewhere, you know, we've mentioned your YouTube resource uh, videos. Um, you're also connected with a website called gununiversity.com, right? I do too many things. Yeah. I and, sure and do. So a lot, a lot of really great information and articles and, and reviews and tons of like way. Like I remember when I first came across gununiversity.com a couple of years back, uh, you got way more information on there now, brother. So that, that's really cool to see, just see how you're uh, growing and, and doing more. And I think it's all uh, beneficial to our industry. So. Thanks. It's fun to talk about the FFLs too. Normally I'm the long range guy. Normally yeah. people just want to talk about learning how to shoot long range or getting started with that. So it's actually kind of fun to have people interested about the, the legal gun geek stuff that I get into. So appreciate you having me on. Yeah, cool. And I think we'll probably have you back uh, in the future to talk about uh, other topics on which you are also a subject matter expert. <laughs> so we're really grateful and, and we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So with that, folks, we will let you go. Uh, we'll be back here with another episode a little later. So until then, train right, train often, and train safe so that you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealedcarry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast